Hello and welcome to another episode of That's Hockey Talk, a bonus episode this week because we got a chance to interview a living legend and we wanted to share this with you. We wanted to kind of make it a separate episode uh, so you could get the full experience here. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now uh, on the phone on the 40th anniversary of the historic Miracle on Ice, the captain of the 1980 U.S. Men's Olympic Hockey Team, the American legend, and I, uh, that term gets thrown around a lot, but it, it fits in this sense, the man who scored the game-winning goal against the dreaded Soviet Union, the one and only Mike Ruzzione. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Mike. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Um, I want to start off talking about your new book, the Making of a Miracle, which is obviously available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold, uh, details the legendary upset against the Soviets, you winning the gold medal. Uh, it is, honestly, it's the greatest American underdog sports story we have. Um, you've done movies. You've done TV shows. I was curious, what made you want to go ahead and write a book? Uh, one reason, one reason only. Um, I have five grandkids right now, and I want my grandkids to know that Papa didn't just do uh, two weeks in Lake Placid, that my life was more than that. And uh, that's, that's the, really the, the, the reason behind it. Neil Bodette, who helped me write the book, contacted me a couple of years ago. And I was hesitant at first, and then I, the more I thought about it, you know, you, you play enough sports and, you, and your friends kid you for a lot of things, and I'm always kidded about, oh, you scored one goal, you scored three <laughs> goals. And I kind of laugh about that, and it... I just want my grandkids to know that Papa just scored more than three goals in his life. Absolutely. Hey, and, and for anyone who says that, you know, you, you only scored one goal, it, it, probably the biggest goal in American history. So, they can well, I just I, I do follow follow it up with that. First, I say I got three because I got one against the Czechs and one against Norway. But uh, I had almost a hundred in college. But the one I got in the Olympics was a big one. That's awesome. Hey, Mike, uh, take you here. And so it's so true what you, you just said. Um, you know, it, it's so funny playing playing professional sports myself. Is it's um, they, we always talk about how it's 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 football is is not who we are. It's what we do, right? And it, it's it, that's awesome that you're able right. to write a book about that. Yeah, you know, my life. I don't want my life to be defined by just two weeks in Lake Placid. I talk a lot about the house that I grew up in, my parents, my family uh, that I grew up with. Uh, how I ended up at Boston University is a pretty amazing story. How I ended up on the Olympic team was pretty amazing. So. There's a lot of things that transpired over, uh, at this point in my life, 65 years that weren't just, uh, you know, one game against the Soviets. Uh, sure, that's great. Speaking of that, I had a question about that. So you grew up in Winthrop, Mass. Uh, you started playing hockey in the, the 60s and 70s, and you go to Boston College. What was like playing back then compared to now, just the advancements in technology with the skates, the sticks, everything like that? Like when you were growing up back then, uh, was, was the dream to play professionally, or was it just, man, you just love the game? Well, well, believe it or not, I was a football baseball player. Hockey was something you kind of just did in the wintertime. Uh, I, I loved high school football. I had a passion. I actually wanted to play in college. And baseball, I probably played more baseball in my life than, than anything. I, I had an opportunity as a 15-year-old to play in some all-star games at Fenway Park and, and thought my career was going to be in baseball. And it turned out to, to work the other way, and I ended up playing hockey. So, it's very, very different. Kids today, unfortunately, specialize in one sport, which drives me nuts. Uh, I, I know I was a good hockey player because I played baseball and football. So it, it's it's very, very different now. I, but I will say today's athlete, today's hockey player is better than the hockey player, you know, 30, 40 years ago. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Uh, the skill level is off the charts. Um, 
in hockey particular, the game has grown so much. You know, when I was a kid, you were from Minnesota or Massachusetts, Massachusetts, uh, you know, in Michigan. Now, you know, we got Austin Matthews is from Arizona. Oh, yeah. We get guys from California, guys from Texas. Florida is p- producing some really good hockey players. Uh, the growth of our women's game is off the charts. Um, how many great women players that we have play the game now? So, so I think of all sports, I think the one that's made the biggest jump is, is ice hockey, and in particular the goaltenders. The goaltenders today are so much more athletic, so much bigger than they were back in in the olden days, so to speak. So, the, the game has grown, technology's grown. It's a different game. Yeah. It- right. And you you went to Boston University, but I, did I read this right? You initially were going to go somewhere else, but the coach forgot your name. Yeah, no, that's that's Hollywood. Uh, I wanted to go to the University of New Hampshire, and I wanted to play football, hockey, and baseball. And unfortunately, the hockey coach didn't think I was a Division One player. Ah. And I basically had I had no school to go to because I I figured I'd, I'm you know I'm a lock at UNH. Well, I I wasn't recruited by anyone else, and. I was going to Merrimack College, which at the time was a Division II school. So I accepted a scholarship to Merrimack. And in the summertime, I didn't play hockey in the summer. I played baseball. And a friend of mine called me one day and said, look, we got a summer league game in Bill Ricker. We need some players. Some of the guys went to the Cape for the weekend. Do you want to play? And I went, well, if you need a player, I'll play. So I show up playing in the game. And the guy who happens to referee the game is a guy named Jack Parker, who at that time was the assistant coach at Boston University. Oh, yeah. And he pulled me aside after and told me, uh, asked me where I was going. I told him Merrimack, and he said, "Well, we get a kid from Canada that decided not to come. Would you like to come to BU?" And I'm like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, I think I can do that." And <laughs> That's incredible. I, I went home and talked to my dad, and I told my dad I can play there. Uh, there's no question I can play there. So, uh, quick story: I go, Jack's the assistant, but the head coach didn't know much about me, and I was playing basically playing on the fourth line. Started out a little with the JV team. Uh, and the season hadn't quite started, but once the season started, I was on the fourth line and not playing a lot. And then three games into the season, the head coach got fired for some NCAA recruiting violations. Jack Parker became the head coach. So I went from center in the fourth line to playing left wing on the second line and led the team in goal scoring my freshman year. So <laughs> that's surreal. It's, it's funny how things work out. And, and then, you know, I go through BU and I went to camp at the New York Rangers and uh, they weren't going to sign any new players, so they sent me to Toledo, where I played as an amateur. I didn't have an NHL a pro contract. I was basically week to week, or every two weeks you get, I think I made $3,500 my first year. Well, long story short, I, I was voted American Rookie of the Year, led our team in scoring, um, and John Ferguson got fired as general manager of the Rangers. So the new, the new general manager was a guy named Fred Shero. And Freddie told my agent, Fred Cheryl told, we're not signing any of Fergie's guys. Mike's a free agent. So I went back to Toledo and stayed in the amateur and tried out the Olympic team. And if, if John Ferguson never got fired, I probably would have signed with the Rangers. I don't know you know, kind of pro career I would have had. Who knows? But I sure as heck wouldn't have been able to play on the Olympic team. So a lot of strange things happened for me to be, uh, be in college and then be on that team. That is a wild twist of events to get you to yeah. where you ended up. That's insane. Let me let me pivot uh, into off the Hollywood thing here. Like, uh, how accurate is the sprints clip in Miracle? Was was he just killing you guys? Is that is that accurately portrayed, or is that Hollywood? Yeah. But what what happened was when we normally played a game, we only usually dress sixteen guys. Uh, you know, three lines, uh, four defensemen, maybe an odd player here or there. So the other guys were in the stands, and the game ended in a four four tie. And Herb did blow the whistle, and he brought us all down to the end of the building. 
and some of the guys who were in the stands wanted to get their equipment on, and, and they said, no, you just stay and watch. And uh, two guys got thrown out of the game, so there were only, I think, 15 of us left. And we didn't do them all at once. We did them in waves of five guys at a time. And then we'd do maybe 15 minutes of them. Then he'd blow the whistle and we'd skate around and stretch. Oh. And then we did him again. And then we did him again and, and again. And, and they shut the lights off in the building. We probably did him for a good hour and a half, an hour and 15 minutes. And Mark Johnson smashed a stick against the glass. And Herb said, if I hear another bleeping stick smash against the glass, you'll skate till you die. <laughs> oh well, no, nobody said anything. And we did a few more. Then he brought us in the locker room, and he told the whole team, if you play this way tomorrow, you'll skate again. We won eight to nothing the next day. So he, he got his point across. Oh, yeah. That's, that's But we skated, insane. and that was, I mean, we did those the rest of the year. We called them Herbies. Uh, wow. and you know, suicides, gassers, whatever you wanted to call them. But that was pretty much a ritual for us in practice. And I guess looking back, you know, 40 years later, one of the keys to our success was our conditioning and our team speed, and clearly it was uh, dictated by what we did. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, everyone pointed out the use of you guys, obviously, going up against the Soviets. They were the experienced. They were arguably professionals. What was that like uh, stepping onto the ice against those guys who were essentially like living legends in their own time, uh, like Tretiak, Harlamov? Those were, those were names that were like – those were the guys. Those were people right. that guys looked up to. Well, I played against the Soviets earlier uh, in my career in the uh, World Championships, actually. Buzzy Schneider and I played against uh, Tretiak and Karlamov and Yakushev and Maltsev and all those guys. Uh, then we lost to them 10-3 to right before the Olympic Games. So I think we were no longer in awe of them. I mean, we knew who they were. We knew how good they were. But we, we played them the second time. I, we were a totally different team. Our mindset was totally different. Our focus was much better. Um, I don't believe we're in awe of them. I think we respected them, but we didn't respect them too much where we just let them kind of take over. So, you know, I, I think one of the things that people always talk about, you know, people, first of all, people only think we played one game. Oh, no. They forget about Finland and Czechoslovakia and West Germany and Sweden. But we went into the game only wondering about one thing. is just we needed to play the way we needed to play and not worry about what they were doing. And I, I think that's what made Herb such a great coach. So many times he said to us, play your game, play your game. Do the things that we had been doing throughout the Olympic Games. Don't alter, don't change, and good things will continue to happen. And, and it did. The game, the game played out the way it had to for us. If they score five goals, we don't win the game. Uh, three was about probably it. And that was the big issue. I think they were averaging eight goals during the Olympics or nine goals a game. And the fact that they only got three against us was, was huge. Yeah, uh, hats off to Jimmy Craig standing on his head there, obviously. Um, I have a question along that lines with Herb. You mentioned uh, how much of that was fictional in the in the movie about him basically kind of making himself an enemy to you guys so that you would uh, bond together? That, 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 that was his approach from the beginning. Um, he didn't care if you liked him. Uh, it was important you respected him. And there were a lot of times we didn't like him, but there was never once a time we didn't respect him. But he, he, he set the, the tone that way. It was us against him. Um, you know, you notice after we won the games, he never came out on the ice and celebrated with us. Uh, he never told us congratulations, great game after we won. Uh, we win a gold medal. He never said, way to go, guys, congratulations. He let us enjoy the moment, and he stayed in the background uh, almost till the day he died. Uh, he, 
he wanted to form the team that way because partly there were so many Minnesota kids in the team that I think Herb felt that he couldn't create a, a sense of um, favoritism with all those Minnesota kids that he coached. Right. So rather than do anything like that, it was anything. I think he was more friendlier to the Boston guys and the Wisconsin guys and the Michigan guys than he was to the to the Minnesota guys. I think you know Herb Herb meant it to be that way. That's you know, and I even think about being the captain of the team. I know our team voted, but I I still can't believe that it, all the Minnesota kids didn't vote for you know their 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 buddies. Yeah. So, um, you know, all, all of those little things, the decisions he made, what whatever they were for, was still panning. It was always us against him. Well, that's awesome. That's very cool. You mentioned all those guys, too, and a lot of those guys went on to have NHL careers. You, uh, much like myself and AQ here, opted not to play in the NHL. Uh, so I was kind of curious, is, is what was the mind uh, process, the thought process there behind that? You, you I, went into broadcasting and you, you did some other things. and w- Were you right. just over I, hockey I just, at that point? Or? Yeah, I, I just thought it was time to move on. I was 25 years old. Uh, I had some offers, the Rangers, Minnesota, and Buffalo. Uh I think even Hartford was interested in signing me. Uh, if I was younger, I, I think I would have kept playing. Uh, also, nobody walked in and said, "Here's fifty million." I mean, that might have changed. <laughs> that might have changed my mind. But I, I just thought it was time to move on. And it, it, I guess the one thing you always look back on is, could, could you have played? And I'm a pretty confident person in my abilities. And there's no doubt in my mind I could have played in the National Hockey League. I wouldn't have been a star. I'd have been a good third, fourth line player. Uh, a good penalty killer, I'd like to think a good guy in the team, a good guy in the community, uh, and one that probably will have played about four or five years, which is somewhat the average career of an average player. So I just kind of looked at things and went, let's let's see what's out there. I was going to coach and teach. Uh, didn't know that this thing was as big as it was. Didn't know I would have a future as a you know sports commentator or a broadcaster or a, a motivational speaker, which I continue to do. And I, I do work at Boston University. I've been there 20-some-odd years in the development office there. So I've, I've got a niche and, and things that I'm doing, and I enjoy it. And I, I have peace of mind. That's great, Mike. Hey, one of the, one of the hardest things, uh, you know, in, in our career is the transition from playing, especially guys that play a long time, right? You play eight or nine, ten years in the NFL, the transition into the next phase, right, the phase two of your career. Right. Um, how, how hard of a transition was it for you? You know, you played hockey – and sports your whole life, and then all of a sudden, with a snap of a finger, it's done, and now you got to go and figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it wasn't that difficult for me. Partly, be, one, I don't take myself too serious, and, and my dad told me when I was a kid there's more to life than athletics, and, and at some point the game ends, and you've got to move on with your life. So I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind that um, you know, can't play hockey forever, so I, so I learned to play golf. Uh, I'm, I got to, got to be competitive, and at one point I was a decent golfer. So I funneled my energies from, from like, let's say, say hockey to golf, and then funneled my energies to try to be successful, to try to do the right things, to try to raise a good family, um, you know, be a good dad, uh, you know, be a good coach because I do coach sometimes. I actually, it's funny. I coach my my three grandsons now are learning to skate, and they skate at the Mike Ruzioni Center. That's amazing. And they have no idea who Mike Ruzioni is. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I got, a, I got a rink in my backyard, and unfortunately it's been warm here in Boston lately, so it's not frozen. But Christmas morning we were all up on the ice skating with the grandkids. So, you know, I, that's kind of uh, in some ways how I funneled my, you know, after careers is, is to a life of, uh, of being, a, being a, a dad and a father and a, and a friend and a coach and enjoy that aspect of things. 
Do you ever get the itch still? You just want to throw the skates on and go, uh, you know, slap a few around, or is it? it... No, I, no, I got a bad shoulder and a bad knee, and I'd much rather be in Florida playing golf. So <laughs> I, I don't want to go out and I don't want you know at sixty five. I don't need to go out in the ice and try to show somebody that I can still play hockey because I can't. So I'd, I'd rather keep my uh, my video of the of the Soviet game on the on the mantle, and if somebody wants to watch me play, they can plug that in. <laughs> Great idea. There you go. How's your golf game right now? It's okay. It's not as good. I've been, I've been as low as a two, and okay. at right now at sixty five, I'm probably a struggling nine or ten. Uh, I have good days. I have bad days. And as I told my wife the other day, I, I don't hit it as far. I don't putt as well. And you know what? I, I don't really give a shit anymore. If I play well, I play well. So, some days, some days I'll play well, and some days I won't. Some holes I'll play well, and some I won't. So I just like getting out there and playing, getting out of the cold, and. Uh, you know, being with the guys, having a cigar, and playing some golf. Hey, man, that's the beauty of it. Hey, do you keep up with the NHL regularly now? Like, are you watching games every night, or is it kind of just when it's on, uh, you'll catch it? Yeah, game? once in a while. You know, we know it's great with, with Twitter. I get to see a lot of the, of the highlights, and, you know, you go on online. And I, I try to follow a lot of the Boston University players, and, and we've got a ton out there. And one in particular who's having a great year is Jack Eichel. And I, I love watching Jack play. I, I watch a lot of his uh, the goals that he scored. I'm somewhat of a Pittsburgh fan because of my relationship with Mario Lemieux. Okay. Um, AQ and, and I are both Bruins. from Pittsburgh. What's that? AQ and I are both from Pittsburgh. We're huge oh, Penguins yeah. fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the, he's the best. I, I, of all the athletes I've met over 40 years, there's, there's nobody better than him, and I've met them all. Uh, so I, I, I follow his team and, and what they're doing down there. And like I said, I, I know some of the NHL players, and uh, clearly Boston University has produced quite a few over the last few years. So, you know, the Bruins are a big team that I watch. Uh, you know, their their team has got a chance to win the cup, so it's fun to watch that. But I, I follow college hockey quite a bit. Obviously, working at Boston University, we've got a good program and some good players there. So uh, I, I really like to wait for the playoffs because that's when that's when hockey kicks in. It's the best, isn't it? I I think it's the toughest championship to win in sports. Uh, those seven game series and how many you got to win to get the whole thing. It's uh, it's incredible what they go through. Hey, Mike. So we're going to put you on the spot here. So. If we were to ask you who you think are the five best players in the NHL right now, who would you say? Connor McDavid. I'm going to put Jack Eichel up there. I love watching Patrick Kane play. Unfortunately, he's not on a very good team right now. Um, Ovechkin's got to be up there just because the way he, the way he scores and dominates uh, the defenseman that's at Carlson. Uh, and I, I, maybe I'll be a little biased here, but Parsonak's having an unbelievable uh, season with the uh, with the Bruins. So that, that would be kind of my pick. But you know, I, I also sometimes like the the muckers and the grinders. Uh, you know, I, that, and then watch them play because that's how teams win championships with players like that. Of course, sure. gives you a whole new appreciation for the game too when you watch what those guys go through night in night out. And, and this, this, the, the skill level is is so good, and that, that's why I, you know I keep hoping that. The NHL will go back and, and, and let the NHL players play in the Olympic Games. Uh, you know, here I am talking about players, and I totally forgot about Sidney Crosby, right? I was going to call maybe, you out, but I wanted to let you get yeah, to it. <laughs> well, maybe because he's been out, he's been out for such a while, I kind of lost, lost track of what, what he does and how great he is, especially that play he made the other night behind the goal. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think, there, like I said, there are so many great players that are playing the game now. Um, it, it's hard to pick just five. I, you, you try to oh, go with course. the ones who have the best years. Have you uh, have you spoken out uh, publicly or about anything about the about the league not allowing the players to go to the Olympics? 
No, I, I have nothing to do with the NHL. I never played in the NHL, so I, I, they probably could give a rat's ass about my opinion. If I'm asked about it, and I do get asked a lot about it, I, I spoke at a sales meeting uh, yesterday in, in West Palm Beach, Florida, and that was one of the questions. And uh, You know, if they asked my opinion, I'd love to see him play. I just heard McDavid and Austin Matthews come out the other day saying they would love to be able to go over and represent their country. And You know, when they started years ago, I was curious how it would be. Would would Brooks Orpik, who was playing for the Penguins at the time, and he saw Sidney, would he line him up, line him up and hit him? Right. If he ever hit him and got hurt him, I don't know if would be welcome back into Pittsburgh. But when I talked to the players, and I talked to a lot of them, they said, look, it, it, they go after each other. You know, they'll settle the differences after. But you're representing your country. It's a whole different mindset. And, you know, as, as much as you, you, know, you want to protect your teammate, you're, you're still playing against that guy. And, you know, he's trying to take something away from you, which was an opportunity to win a gold medal. So when I found out that the players would battle against each other and not back down and go after each other, that, that sold me on it. Well said. I think everyone feels the same way. You just want to see some good competition, but you don't want to see anyone get hurt, but at the same time you want to see these guys compete and not go out there and take it easy on each other. I agree. Uh, all right, Mike, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and chatting with us. And again, for everyone listening, uh, please go check out Mike's new book, The Making of Miracle, available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. Uh, details the legendary upsetting against the Soviets, the, the winning of the gold medal. Uh, Mike, can't thank you enough. Uh, really appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks for the help, guys. Take care. Have, have a good day. Thanks, thanks you thank too. Thank you. Really hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as we did. Getting the chance to talk to Mike was was such a pleasure and an amazing opportunity. So thank you once again for listening. Uh, we'll have another new episode out tomorrow, kind of getting into the down and dirty, nitty-gritty puck stuff you're used to from around the league. Uh, for myself and AQ, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at That's Hockey Talk, and go give Mike Ruzione a shout-out on Twitter as well uh, and thank him for joining us.